Hey there, this is Pastor Corey, and welcome to the Branch Life Podcast. After you're done listening, I invite you to connect with us at branchlife.church to make sure you're up to date with everything going on at Branch Life. Want to share what you heard today? Subscribe to our YouTube channel and share this video with someone you want to encourage. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope that this presentation helps you connect with Christ and challenges you to reach those around you with the good news of Jesus. Welcome to Branch Life Church. We're so glad that you are joining us online and that you're able to be a part of this worship. I want to encourage you to stick around to the very end. And uh, we're going to wrap up today uh, everything that we're going to say in a way that I think will be an encouragement to you. Uh, My name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors at Branch Life Church. And we are stuck right in the middle of our summer series that we're calling your summer playlist. And it's a look through the book of Psalms. We're talking about some of the most ancient songs, but some of the best songs that were ever written. And these songs recorded for us in the book of Psalms should be on your summer playlist. The challenge is that you would read through the Psalms this summer, read a Psalm a week, read a Psalm a day. And as you read these Psalms, you're going to find that they will speak to your soul. You're going to find yourself. You're going to find your emotions. You're going to find victory. You're going to find defeat. And uh, you will see these incredible pieces of artwork uh, as a reflection of your soul. There'll be an encouragement to you and a challenge to you all along the way. If you'll pick up this challenge to start reading the Psalms. And this Sunday, we're in part two of the Mona Lisa of Psalms. We're in one of the most famous passages of the Bible, Psalm 23. This is a beautiful passage. It is It is a priceless, timeless work of art that whether you've been a part of the church your entire life, whether you know the Bible well, or you're just starting to investigate God's Word, you've probably heard this psalm before. And so what I want you to do today is listen to this psalm anew, and it'll be an encouragement to you as we're in our second uh, discussion about this psalm. If you want to see part one, you can jump back to the video before this. And you can see what we talked about as we went through the first part of the psalm. And join us next week as we go through part three of Psalm 23. It's such an incredible piece of art that is taking us three weeks to get through it. So join us for that next week. Let me read the psalm for you and uh, see if it rings any bells. And then we'll talk it over. And don't forget, stick around to the very end. Psalm 23, starting in verse 1, says this, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Last week, as we wrapped up the first section of the psalm, we challenged you with this thought. In this world, 
in the pandemic that we're facing, Christ followers should be an example of calm, rested contentment. In this world, Christ followers should be an example of calm, rested contentment. In our live service at 9 a.m., we said, let's pray this prayer together. God, I give you everything and everyone. I give everything and everyone to you. And if we actually give God control, if we give him everything, if we let him be our leader, our guide, and our shepherd, the promise is that he'll lead us by to green pastures. So he's, he's going to provide for us so we'll be content. He's going to take us to still waters where we'll be safe. And we'll be calm. He's going to lead us down paths of righteousness where we will be rested. So if God is our shepherd and we won't want, then this should describe us. But does this describe you? Maybe last week you prayed this prayer. God, I give everything and everyone to you. And God, you didn't do what I wanted you to do with that. And so I'm going to take it back. Maybe this week you found yourself getting stressed or, or angry Maybe you found yourself getting discouraged in some way, shape, or form. If this is supposed to describe people who are following the shepherd, people who are following Jesus, and it doesn't describe you, well, the, the question is, why? And the rest of Psalm 23 is going to help us answer this really big question. Why, then, am I cast down? Why am I finding myself full of anger? You know, if, if you've been paying attention during this pandemic at all, the political unrest that's going on uh, around you, the social media posts of this world, you'll find easily a lot of anger. And there are people that I'm concerned about, friends, family members, neighbors, who, who seem to be very upset a lot of the time. There's something that they see on the news or a decision that's been made or a report that comes down the pike and it causes anger within their soul. Why am I so angry? You might be one of those people that's dealing with fear right now during this pandemic. And fear is, is one of the, the, first, uh, the first emotions that came when this pandemic started to become a reality. We didn't know what it was. We didn't know where it was coming from. We didn't know how, how deadly it would be, who it would affect and who wouldn't affect. And, and frankly, still, some of those questions are unanswered. And so there's a great deal of fear that's attached to this pandemic. There's a great deal of anxiety and people are worried about losing their lives, losing their, their health, losing their livelihoods. I'm concerned for elderly people that I know, people who are a part of our church, people that have pre-existing conditions. And they have been living in a constant state of fear, fearing a virus, fear, fearing contamination from someone else, fearing actual death. Why am I so afraid? You might be someone who's just upset. And, and everything that's happening is, is causing you to be upset and to be concerned and to be tied in knots. And you're not sure where to go with with your angst and, and if you're a leader of any kind of, of business or a school, I, I'm praying for every school superintendent and every teacher out there right now. If you're, if you're the leader of a, a sports team or an organization, there is nothing that you can plan today that probably won't change tomorrow and, and it's affecting your employees and your kids and your classmates and those that are in your home and you just find yourself constantly upset at the end of the day. You feel like even though you took two steps forward, you took four steps back. Why am I so upset? Why am I so tired? 
have we been running and, and running on emotion and going to one Zoom meeting after another Zoom meeting and having to like put on the full armor of God just to go to Walmart and, and you try to get in and out of, of the situation safely and, and prepare it for your family and by the end of the day your head hits the pillow and, and you're just exhausted but the next day you wake up and it, it just doesn't seem like you even got any sleep and, and day after day, God, why am I so tired. I'm concerned for those that are running on empty during this season. And, and maybe you're someone who's out there who's stressed. I think of uh, parents of, of elementary age school kids. Right now, as we're recording this, we're, we're a few weeks into the opening of school and every school is asking the question, do we open? Which means every parent is asking themselves, am I going to be a homeschool parent this semester or am I not? And it causes an incredible amount of stress. Am I going to be able to work? Am I going to have to quit my job? Am I going to try to have to work from home? Are my kids going to fall behind in their education? Are the teachers going to be safe if they're in school? Are they going to spread things? And, and the stress begins to build. Maybe you're a high school student or a college student. And you're trying to take your next steps. Are you going to be able to play sports? Are you going to be able to go to the first semester of school out of state? And all of this uncertainty and all of this rest is causing within you this incredible amount of turmoil and stress. And you ask yourself the question, why then am I so stressed? You know, the Bible in Psalm 23 gives you something that you need to add to your playlist if any of these emotions are a part of your reality. Your view of God your philosophy of this world, the way that you look at life will be challenged by Psalm 23. I want to encourage you today that no matter what your view of God is or no matter what your view of the world is, that you would lean into this conversation, allow your heart to be open and allow yourself to consider anew again and afresh the reality and the existence of God. There's challenges to that. And there, we're going to talk about those challenges. There's probably reasons why you have questions. But no matter how you look at the world, we can all recognize this fact that we are cast down. And that we are overwhelmed with stress and worry and anxiety. And we are looking for answers to the questions about how we deal with this stuff. And maybe you're watching this and the pandemic has passed, but you know that with every season comes new challenges and new questions and how do we get the answers to this question and how should we view this world and who are we and why are we here and, and, and what are the answers to life and is there something beyond this life? And, and today we look at the answers to this question from an incredible work of art in Psalm 23. If those are some of the questions you're asking, if you're asking yourself, why am I so cast down? Why am I dealing with all of these things? Remember, you will find yourself in the Psalms. And just a few Psalms down, it says in Psalm 42, verse 25, the psalmist, the writer of the Bible, asked this question, why are you cast down, O my soul? He looked at his soul and he saw himself in this season absolutely cast down. And he said, why are you in, why are you in turmoil with me? The inner part of your being just twisted in knots and finding it in turmoil, even the psalmist in this in this moment, ask the question, why am I cast down, O oh my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Listen, if you are cast down, when I am cast down is when what I hope in has let me down. So 
So what brings us to this moment of despair and turmoil and angst where we've lost our soul peace? I am cast down when what I hope in has let me down. You know, if your hope is in your health and a pandemic comes along and robs you of your health, then you will be cast down. If your hope is in your job or your steady income and, and a pandemic comes along and it robs your income, well, then you will be cast down. If your hope is in your the well-being of your family members and of your kids and, and making sure that they get the best possible education that they can get and now they're trying to learn online, well, then you will be cast down. Listen, there are so many things that we put our hope in that will ultimately let us down. And when those things we put our hope in let us down, we become cast down. We become disturbed. We become angry. We become depressed. Man, maybe you put your hope in the government. Maybe you thought the government had all the answers for this world. And you find out that the government doesn't do such a great job. And you start getting angry. That anger comes because what you hoped in had let you down. There's so many things that that so many viewpoints in this world, people are, are looking at nationalism, people are looking at science, people are looking at themselves and they're putting their hope in these things. Ultimately to find out that there's not much that won't let us down in this world. Every relationship has a, has, has a breaking point. Every, every physical thing that we seek to go after, ultimately we can find is empty. And so what you put your hope in determines, determines the rest of your life. So Psalm 23 in verse 4 makes this promise. God will never let you down. God will never let you down. Of all the things that we put our hope in, if you put your hope in God, if you put your hope in the Good Shepherd, if you put your hope in Jesus Christ and the God of the Bible, he will never let you down. Now, some of you are standing there going, no, no, no. I, I put my hope in God and, and God didn't do what I wanted him to do. I prayed that prayer. I gave God everything and everyone and he didn't handle it right. And he let me down. I want to challenge you today and say, I don't think it's God that let you down. Because the promise that we see in Psalm 23 is simply this. When the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So, how does that play out in the midst of this chaos, in the midst of this turmoil, in the midst of this pain? Well, in Psalm 23, in verse 4, we come to this incredible passage, and it's probably one of the most famous parts of the psalm, and it's used, used most often in funerals and in place where there's grieving, and it says this in Psalm 23, 4, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I want to just spend our time breaking this down today. And, and we want to go through an exercise. Last week, we reminded you of the exercise called Mark It Up, where you take a passage of the Bible and you just simply mark it, whether it's in a notebook or in the Bible itself, and you make observations about what's there. The next thing, another exercise that we encourage you to do when you study the Bible is to discover the topics. To, to look at the topics and try to identify truth principles that come from the topics that are represented there. And these topics are going to give you kind of a cue into what the meaning of this passage is. So if we identify the topics that are here in just this verse, we're going to see some incredibly heavy visual worldview topics that come into play. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the first topic that we find ourselves dealing with in this verse 
is the topic of life and death. And death is a, is a reality that's kind of in our face now every day during this pandemic. My wife and I, when we go to turn on the world news at night, we record both the NBC World News and the CBS World News with Nora O'Donnell. And we go to watch it whenever the kids are starting to go to bed. And we started to say to each other, hey, honey, let's turn on the death report. Because every night we're going to get the death report. And they're going to tell us what's happening in this world and who's dying because we're in the midst of a pandemic and every day the numbers seem to be going up and it's just going to tell us what the death report is and, and death is in our faces. And we're, we're wearing masks to protect ourselves and protect other people so they don't get sick and die. We're, we're concerned about whether or not our kids should go to school and whether it's safe for their own teachers who we love. And we're concerned about gathering together as a church. And as a matter of fact, we're, we're meeting online and outdoors because we want to keep each other safe. And we're concerned about the elderly people in our church and those who have pre-existing conditions. And, and death is a reality. But even before this pandemic, death was a real thing. And you may be a, a young person, a young adult or a teenager and saying, I, I don't need to think about death in this moment. But the reality is we never know when death is going to come for us. We never know what's going to challenge us and what's going to be our last moment and our last day. We're one diagnosis away, one accident away, one breath away from being faced with the reality of death. And your worldview, the way that you look at this world, whether you like it or not, you have an answer to the question of what happens after we die. Some people believe that nothing happens after death and that death is final and that death is, is it. And, and if we think about nothing after death, then we have to think about what our hope is in. And if our hope is in just ourselves and we're living for happiness and we're living for fulfillment and we're living for fun and we're living for joy, we ultimately find that those things are empty and we can find ourselves cast down. Some people believe that if we work hard enough and if we do enough good things that after death, it's going to return to us in some good way, whether it's an entrance into a heavenly place or we get brought back better than we were before. And, and we think that based on the actions that we do now are going to affect what happens later. And in that worldview, you're depending completely on yourself and your good works and your system to enable to advance you forward. And if your hope's in that, if your hope's in yourself, you're going to be let down. In a Christian worldview, we believe that everyone is going to spend eternity somewhere and that there is a place called heaven and there is a place called hell and that our souls live on forever. And, it, and God determines, and whether or not you follow God determines your eternal destiny. And God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And the truth of this psalm that it paints in this first part of this this. Uh, 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 artwork is that death is a reality for everyone. This is called the shepherd's psalm. And so there's a picture of a shepherd leading their sheep through the paths. And, and this is the part of the psalm where the shepherd's leading their sheep through the valley of shadows. And the sheep don't understand what's going on. And they see the shadows and they see the, what, what could be terrifying to them. And they understand that they're walking through this valley and you might be facing grief, you might be facing challenges in this time, but understand that when you walk through this valley with God as your shepherd, you don't have to fear. And that brings us to our next topic, the topic of fear and the topic of evil. You know, if, if, if we talked about death not being certain, and just this week uh, there was a news report that involves my greatest fear, 
And the state of Maine had its first ever in recorded history known great white shark attack that led to a fatality. Some lady just minding her own business, swimming in Maine, where all they have to worry about is lobsters, got attacked by a shark. Sharks are my greatest fear. They're also my greatest fascination. I start watching sharks on television, and right now the National Geographic Channel is having five weeks of Shark Fest, and then August becomes my favorite week of the year, the Discovery Channel's Shark Week. And and I, I'm all in because you got to know your enemy. But as I watch these things, my palms sweat and I, I get upset. And now I hear about somebody in Maine swimming and there goes my vacation plans on the beach, right? It changes my outlook, right? I, I'm scared of, of, of sharks. I'm scared of dying to a shark. And, and in my mind, sharks are evil. Don't send me posts. I know it's not the shark's fault. It's probably our fault most of the time. But they exist and they cause turmoil and they're worthy of fear in my mind, but you may have a different fear. Another topic comes up right away and that's the topic of evil. And evil is one of the greatest reasons people don't believe in God. Because if evil exists, how can there be a good God who loves us enough to allow evil and suffering to continue to exist in this world? But in this Psalm, God himself is saying and acknowledging that evil does exist. Evil is real and it's present and it's a danger in this world. And if you die and you don't have uh, salvation, if you don't aren't following the shepherd, you will see the face of evil. But how do we conquer evil? How do we conquer the evils of this world when we see them in, in the midst of, of disease? When we've just come through a century where they've had two world wars that have caused millions of people to die. When we see the clear and present evil and the reality of evil in this world, what do we do with that? Hey, God has an answer. When God is your shepherd, you do not have to fear evil. These sheep walking through this terrifying valley are comforted, are strengthened, and are at peace because they walk through the valley of the shadow of death following the shepherd who is able to protect them. For you are with me. The next topic that comes up is the presence of God. God's presence is with us in the dark moments and in the scary moments. You know, one of the greatest difficulties of the pandemic is the, the isolation that it causes. There are some that have been isolated for, for weeks and months at a time. And if you, if you live alone or you're not able to get out or you have a pre-existing condition, if you're in a nursing home that's sealed off from the rest of this world, you have become isolated. One of the greatest difficulties of grief is not having the presence of the person that you lost anymore. For 50 years, a husband and wife ate their meals together, woke up on, on each other's side of the bed. They watched the evening news together and, and one dies and the other is left without the presence of their best friend. And, and they go through those same motions of eating meals, of waking up in the morning, of watching their television show at night and they don't have the presence of their loved one with them. Just a, uh, seven or eight years ago, my father-in-law passed away. We had an incredible Christmas together as an entire family, and he's, he's a young man. He was in his early 60s, and we had a Christmas, and everyone had traveled to Michigan, and we had traveled back to Pennsylvania after Christmas was over, and he had a sudden heart attack, and he passed away. We remember going up there and traveling through the grief and the difficulty of, of that time and having his funeral service, and coming back to Pennsylvania and then a year later going back for Christmas. And one of the things that struck me and I'll never forget is just 
having the same Christmas traditions that we had had the year before, but his chair being empty. His big lazy boy chair that he would sit in and while the kids would be opening presents, he would be smiling or, or he'd be falling asleep to in the evening when we were watching a movie. And, and as we did those things, he just wasn't there. His, his presence was gone. One of the greatest gifts that God gives us in this life is the gift of his presence. When God says, I am with you, and it's a promise that's repeated over and over and over in scripture, he promises to have his presence with us. You are never alone when God is your shepherd. You are never without company. You are never without help. You're never without protection. You're never without support when you have the presence of God. And even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you'll fear no evil because he is present with you. And it goes on to say that his rod and staff comfort me. Now to understand this last topic of how God comforts us is to understand the metaphor and the picture that goes through this entire psalm. Remember, it's a shepherd caring for his sheep. And a shepherd carried around with him the tool of a rod and a staff. The rod being the, the tool that would help him walk and he'd use it to discipline and smack the sheep when they started going the wrong way. Sometimes have to get their attention and, and, and prod them to do the right thing. And yes, God does that for us as we travel through life. And if we start fearing evil, if we start not seeing his presence, he's going to have to remind us. And he uses the rod to do that. And the staff with the hook, with the crow on it, he would use to rescue the sheep when they would fall, when they would start to be in danger, when they would start to go off course. It was a tool that they used to care for the sheep that were around them. And the rod and the staff that they had would be comforting. When the psalmist uses the term cast down, why, oh my soul, am I cast down? He is using a term that comes from the shepherding metaphor. And again, if you find yourself discouraged, angry, stressed, tired, you can fall into the category of cast down. In the shepherding metaphor, a sheep that finds itself on its back is a cast down sheep. This is a cast sheep. And this is an incredibly dangerous situation for any sheep. When a sheep falls onto its back, it's not able to turn itself over. And it has, it has minutes or hours left to live because uh, gases start to form inside the sheep and it, it starts to, to overtake its internal systems. And if the sheep is left on its back for any period of time, that sheep will die. And there are predators that wait for sheep to fall on their back and they will creep closer knowing that this sheep will soon become dinner for them. If something doesn't come and rescue the sheep, this sheep is cast down. And when the Bible says, oh my soul, why are you cast down? It's not talking about a little ping of sadness or grief. It's not talking about uh, just the regular up and downs of life. It's talking about this feeling of being completely overwhelmed by the, the situation that I find myself in, by, by being completely flattened, to be completely thrown on your back, having no more hope, having, having no way to get victory over your anxiety or to deal with your stress or to attack your tiredness having, having all the resources tapped out and you find yourself just, just ready to give up and totally cast down within your soul. That's the picture that's being painted. And in the shepherding metaphor, he brings over his rod and his staff and he takes it and he uses the rod to hook the sheep and to turn it back over. And then the shepherd takes time in the casting process to tend to that sheep 
once he turns the sheep over, the sheep has to be restored. And so the shepherd will take time using his rod and using his staff and using his hands to rub the sheep, to, to rub the sheep's sides, to rub its feet and to make sure the circulation is flowing again so that sheep can be comforted and, and the sheep being scared and terrified because it was over on its back and because it was having trouble breathing will then calm down and the blood will flow and it will pump through the sheep and the sheep will be restored literally in the arms of the shepherd. When we are cast down, God says that he comes with his rod and his staff and he uses the rod and the staff to turn us upright and he wraps his arms around us and the anxiety and the stress and the tiredness that we feel, God embraces us with, with his love, with his protection, with his guidance and his wisdom and we give everything and everyone to him in that moment and then we become restored. He comforts us. He literally puts his arms around us. If you're facing death, if you're facing the loss of health or income or a job, if you're becoming a homeschool parent against your will, if you're a college student that doesn't know where to turn, if you've been disappointed by this government, if you are, if you are vastly concerned about your health and full of anxiety, God the shepherd wants to put his arms around you and comfort you. Not only is he with you, but he comforts you. That's the power of Psalm 23. And in Psalm 42, verse 25, when it says, Why are you cast down on my soul and why are your turmoil in me? The psalmist realizes that we do not have to stay in this state. And so he says three times in Psalm 42, Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. The solution for being cast down is to put your hope in God. And remember, God will never let you down. Are you here, college student, listening to this, and are you putting your hope in God? Are you putting it in a relationship? Are you here, business owner, are you putting your hope in God? Are you putting your hope in a, in a, in a government package? Are you putting your hope in an unemployment plan? Are you here, teacher, putting your hope in God? Or are you putting your hope in a principle? What? Are you putting your hope in? Listen, if you put your hope in anything else but God, it will let you down and you will become cast down. But the solution for a cast down soul is to realize that God is with you, that God walks and his presence is beside you at all times, his rod and his staff. Sometimes he'll correct you, sometimes he'll upright you, and he embraces you so that no matter what you're facing, he will be your hope and your guide. And again, then you can praise him. You can praise this God. You can, you can worship this God. You can, you can celebrate this God no matter what is going on around you. He leads you beside still waters, into green pastures, down paths of righteousness. And I sing glory hallelujah because I have been saved by the God of the universe who walks with me through this world. In him I will put my hope. So today if you're here and you're, you're wondering how do you find a answer to anxiety? How do you defeat fear? How do you no longer fear death itself or evil? Put your hope in God. Maybe you've never put a personal relationship with God or you've never made that decision to become a follower of Jesus. The Psalm right before Psalm 23, Psalm 22 points to Jesus dying on the cross a thousand years before he did it. 
And we know that there will be a day that we're going to stand in judgment before God. And the way that we are judged will be determined on how do we answer this question, who do you believe in? Who do you trust in for your salvation? Are you trusting in yourself? Are you trusting in your good works? Are you trusting in a religious system? Or are you trusting in Jesus? I want to invite you to have a personal relationship with God that starts in this moment. The Bible says that we've all sinned. We've fallen short of God. And that's why we go through all these hard things because of the sin of this world. We're broken. And we need to be fixed by a relationship with Jesus. Today, will you pray this prayer? If you're ready to become a follower of Jesus, would you just say, Dear God, dear Heavenly Father, I know that I am a sinner and I'm sorry for my sin. And I believe that Jesus came and that he died on the cross and he rose again for me. And I want to accept the free gift of salvation. I want to be a follower of Jesus. Will you come into my life and save me? If you've prayed that prayer, you have become a follower of Jesus. God is your shepherd and he in these moments gives you hope. He in these moments gives you salvation. He in these moments will give you peace and joy if you realize and put your hope in him. I want to invite you to walk with God and put your hope with God. If you're not quite ready to make that decision, you want to investigate it a little further, join us again next week or go to the gospel tab at branchlife.church slash the gospel and you can find out a little bit more about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And if you've prayed that prayer, or if you are putting your hope in Jesus again, renewing your faith in God, uh, getting rid of these distractions, recognizing his presence, we would love to hear that from you. If you would go to the response card and just fill that out, even if you're watching the rebroadcast, and let us know that you watched this broadcast today. Let us know how we can pray for you and if you've made any decisions, especially if you've decided to become a follower of Jesus. We want to celebrate that. So would you please let us know in the response card. And as you go through this next week, remember that prayer. I give everything and everyone to you. Remember in Psalm 23, it is Jesus. It is he that restores our soul. There is nothing that you can do to restore your own soul. You are cast down. But it is he who comes and uprights you and restores you. So will you lean in to your relationship with God this week so that we can be that Christian that's described as calm, as rested, and as content. No matter what comes this week, no matter what announcement is made, no matter what report is done on television, no matter what happens in this world, even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil. Because in Psalm 23 verse 4, we learn this simple truth that God will never let you down. This is why this psalm needs to be on your summer playlist. Let's pray together. Dear God, Heavenly Father, as we looked at the truths of this song and we've talked about some powerful topics today, we pray, Lord, that you would lead us deeper into relationship with you, that, God, we would put our hope in you and that we would see your presence with us even in the darkest of days. God, help us to be uh, Christ followers who are stamped by the description of calm, uh, rested and content no matter what comes because we have the good shepherd by our side. Lord, thank you for again this time together, this technology that allows us to do this. God, we pray that you would use us to strengthen our connection with you and uh, to help us reach our world. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for joining us. We uh, hope that you guys will have a great rest of the week wherever you are, wherever you're watching from, and that you'll join us again next time. We'll see you later.